This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 200 of the door report presented by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. It is Thursday. That's no, not Thursday. It's Monday night. What am I doing? Thinking about the last episode, January 16th, 2023. As always, we're powered by the great folks at Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, or give them a call at 615-356-0303, or log on to their website at lacofinewoodfloors.com. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We got Trevor and Will uh, back in the building, and... It looks like Vandy men's basketball might, just might be on their way back to somewhat of relevancy after a big, big time win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Guys, we got a lot to get into. It's always nice when there's some there's some chippiness, there's some edginess early in SEC play. And, uh, well, we haven't seen that. I mean, we haven't seen that kind of competitiveness and that fire and that, you know, just not quitting. I mean, they fought for Coach Stackhouse. And, it was nice to see. I'll, I'll come out and say it. We haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, we haven't seen the chippiness, the edge, the fire. A lot of that is because this team hasn't been good enough to have chippiness and edge and fire. A lot of that comes with being able to mount comebacks. A lot of this, a lot of this is. And this team put up 63 points in the second half against Arkansas. Let me repeat that. 63. That is crazy. This team was down 42 to 34 going into the half. And just a note about the schedule. I know we're going to get into this, Trevor and Billy, and about the future uh, of this season. But the four of the first five SEC games, including this upcoming matchup against Alabama, were against top 20 opponents. There are only three top 20 opponents remaining on the schedule in the remaining 13 games after this Alabama matchup. So I know a lot can change between now and the end of the season and who's ranked and who's good, but this SEC schedule is front loaded and picking up a win against a really good Arkansas team is a great step for Jerry Stackhouse and this team. And they desperately needed something to build momentum inside of Memorial gym. Trevor, Anthony black, Anthony black had it coming. (laughs) 
I think and just kind of coming on going off what Will said, and I mean even you, Billy. Um, the the fire that this team got just from Stackhouse getting teed up, Ezra Manion as awful as it was. I mean, we've all seen numerous Doug Shaw officiated ball games, so I'm not really sure that we should be shocked, even though it doesn't take away from the fact that it still sucks. Um, like a baseball team, a manager knows when to go out and argue balls and strikes and get kicked out. Um, as much as I hate Jerry Stackhouse, I think he kind of – he even going back to his playing days, he's always had that action about him. And I think he knows when to get it turned up and when to get the guys going. I think you saw that Saturday. But also, credit to Anthony Black for just being a moron. And <laughs> just – Anthony, if you didn't do the whole crying thing and – acting like you were Allen Iverson stepping over uh, Q and B, then Vanderbilt would have gotten slaughtered. That's just the fact. I mean, just, so thank you, Anthony Black. You woke up a Vanderbilt basketball team. That was the they, definition of poking. Poking the bear was the definition yes. of what Anthony Black did. I've had a lot of issues with Jerry Stackhouse. Trevor, I'm glad you brought up the the technical that he received. I've had a lot of issues with Jerry Stackhouse, and I still have a lot of issues with Jerry Stackhouse. Yes. One of those issues has never been his ability to argue with referees. I have never had an issue with him getting technicals. I don't think coaches often enough stick up for guys and fans. I don't think realize how much that means to players that you have a coach that understands how fucking frustrating it is to be screwed by calls and you don't get a fiery coach without the occasional technical after a bullshit call that is horrible. So that's where we are. I have a lot of issues with Stackhouse, but that technical was needed and is what kind of lit the fire, like you said, Trevor, underneath this team for the 63-point comp- or 63 I, points in the second half. I think, too, and I'm sure we'll get more into this, but one of the things that also, I mean, like you said, Vanderbilt had a, a second-half surge against – not just a, a top 15 team in Arkansas defense that is really good. And Vanderbilt was scoring Athletic. on them with ease. I think one thing that you can, that you can kind of get a glimmer of hope from for this game is I think in this game, you saw what this team could be or what this team can be whenever you have Liam and Jordan both doing their thing, not just when, because we know that Liam can win you ball games whenever he's doing his thing. And Liam's having an off night. Jordan can win you ball games if he does get it going. But I think Saturday you saw whenever you have your two guys, both at their best, what this team could be. Yeah. And I think and, that was a really hopeful, like, and Tyron Lawrence as well. Ty had a great You know, game. he was yeah. outstanding offensively. Yeah. So. And I'll say this, yeah. guys. I think Vandy fans should be happy that it was Quint Malora Brown about to get stepped on as opposed to really anybody else. Because that, if that was Studi, that, there might have been an all-out brawl. Oh, you could have had even more ejection. So I'm kind of glad yeah. it was Quint Malora Brown, the guy who was just, you know, Quint did nothing. He, he didn't even really react to uh Oh, to and shout-out to Miles Studi. You said Miles Studi, but shout-out to him on that one – uh scuffle he completely turned yeah, his head and he, walked he away went right, right to the and, bench. and they yeah. were desperately looking to you give him tell. a technical and eject him from yeah. that game and he wanted to so every fiber of his you being see it. Yeah. was tell yeah. him go get nose to nose with that guy and he turned around and walked towards the bench because he knew the referees were going to be keeping an eye on him and i and think Doug this team has... said if... 
if we can't I, give Miles a technical right here, we're going to give Jordan Wright one for some yeah. unbeknownst reason. We're going to we're going to give somebody we're going to tee up somebody here, guys. Yeah, we'll we'll get into all that. Uh, of course, we got Vandy beating Arkansas, ninety seven eighty four, a top uh, top fifteen victory for Vandy. We'll we'll preview Alabama. Uh, talk about the tide rolling in. Some kind of an awful story uh, heading into Tuesday night with uh, with their player Darius Miles. We'll I mean. Obviously, there that's a deeper issue there with uh, human life, but you know we, we got to wonder that could impact Alabama uh, somehow uh, t- Tuesday night. So uh, we'll we'll talk about all that though. Don't forget uh, to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's recap the Arkansas victory. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys. Vanderbilt defeats Arkansas, number 15th ranked Razorbacks, 97 to 84. Vandy improves to 9 and 8. Overall, two and two in the conference. Razorbacks fall to twelve and five and one and four in the SEC. I was listening to uh, Musselman's postgame press conference, and he said their last three losses have been by double digits. So Arkansas is is not in a good spot right now, and it's kind of surprising. They've been uh, at least the last couple of years at the top of the league and uh, very competitive, and uh, I think they're banged up. Uh, they've got a lot of talent. I'm sure they'll figure it out, but um, you know they have been struggling, guys. Five technical fouls were assessed in the first half of this game. Three of them, of course, in that final minute. That sequence, of course, resulted in a whopping seven free throws for Arkansas. Seven free throws. I, I heard the uh, the broadcasters talk about it. I was like, wait, what? Seven free throws? Are you kidding? Uh, the Razorbacks went to the locker room with an eight-point lead, but Vandy went to the locker room pissed off, guys. I mean, that that you said it, Will. That won them the game, or it might have been Trevor, but – we all know that sequence right there gave Vanderbilt all the motivation they needed to go out into that second half. And it was almost as if Liam Robbins said, I'm not letting this happen. I'm not letting this fly. He went out and just dominated the first half of that uh, second half, the first 10 minutes or so. I mean, it, it was the Liam Robbins show. And then you had Jordan Wright get hot. But guys, let's hop right into that scenario. I mean, that was I, I don't know if I've ever seen a situation like that in, in basketball, especially in a Vanderbilt game, you rarely see a scenario where a player attempts to step over and stare down the defender and not get called for anything. He didn't get a technical. He didn't get anything. Instead, he got an and one called. And Ezra Mignon, the guy that sh- that he didn't even, I mean, uh, he flopped. Anthony Black flopped. That was, Yeah, it was a show. Yeah. But but Anthony Black, he could, he could have stayed on the ground. I mean, so there's obviously a lot to get to in that situation, but he gets ejected from the game, Manion, which is ridiculous. I mean, in no way, shape, or form should he have gotten tossed. Of course, that's what Stack was pissed about. And then you tack on the never-ending 
uh, crybaby taunting from Anthony Black, and that was all. That was everything they needed, guys. I mean, if you're if you're the the bench, credit to the bench too. I was surprised nobody got up and tried to sock Anthony Black in the face while he was standing at the free throw line. So credit to the composure. I thought the coaching staff did a really good job, just kind of settling everything down, and you could tell that they have taught that to their guys. They have, especially Studi. Will you talk about it at the open? Composure. That was one of the bigger things in a veteran team. You, I mean, that was a veteran win, guys. Arkansas is a young, immature squad. Vandy is a veteran team that has the pieces. We just hadn't seen them put it together really since this Arkansas game. I mean, that was the best game they've played, guys. They shot the lights out. We'll get into all those stats. But, man, well, I mean, that, that sequence right there, I look at that and say, that that might be where, uh, where Vandy won the game. There are so many storylines to get into about this game and the yeah. subsequent reaction. But just getting to that, the the meat of it immediately that sequence and the entire way this game was refereed is everything that is wrong with officiating in college basketball specifically but across basketball in general all of those technicals except for jerry stackhouse's which was a reaction to the technicals and ejections so i don't think that would have happened if there were no other technicals None of these technicals or ejections should have happened. There was nothing that you would look at that happened on that court that any normal person would say, that's just unacceptable. That's not within a competitive game or a competitive scenario, which in my opinion is what warrants an ejection. Something that is outside the bounds of a normal competitive fiery act. What Manion did was basically what Miles Studi did uh, shoving Anthony Black pretty much to start out that second half that they went back and reviewed and said, nothing here. It's just Manion's happened during a dead ball foul and was probably a little less forceful and intentional, honestly, than what Miles Studi did in game action. So this was an absolute ref show. Everything about this was small penis energy. Everything about this was I have the power. And the only way that I'm going to show you that I have this power is to issue technical fouls out. And Arkansas in general just rubs me the wrong way. And people commented underneath a lot of my tweets and said, you know, if this was your guy doing this or your team doing this, you would love it. And to an extent, that's true. But the difference is that Arkansas, the moment any real physicality or any real confrontation happened between the players, just immediately backed off. And just immediately went over and complained to the referees. And that Musselman, he's a bitch. I hate him. He's about five foot five. Um, it, it's just everything from him walking up to Jerry Stackhouse with his hand over his mouth when he was talking to the referee before Stackhouse was issued that technical. I've found a new team to hate in the SEC, and that's the Arkansas Razorbacks. And Anthony Black is a bitch. And what really took so I put like 25 bucks on Vanderbilt money line the moment that Anthony Black taunted. Uh, the Vanderbilt bench because Vanderbilt is a bunch of grown men. It's a bunch of 22, 23 year old guys, a lot of experience that are going to take that personally when an 18 year old kid taunts them in their home gym. And you saw a different level of focus from this team in the second half, a different level of take the ball to the basket, create the contact, be physical, rip down boards. And honestly, guys, a lot of this is just the shots were falling. Memorial Magic was back. I mean, it, you don't put up 63 points just because of execution. There's some magic in the air. There there was something guiding the ball into the basket. 
And the universe knew that the Vanderbilt basketball program needed this victory. And Trevor, I'm sure you have a few other things to say about that uh, fun little scrum that happened at the end of the first. I mean, also, too, how if you, if you are going to call a game, which then again, a lot, they there were times, I think the frustrating thing was there were times that the crew let a lot of things go and then they would call a lot of ticky-tack stuff, which if you're going to call ticky-tack, as much as I hate it, call it all game. If you're going to let them play, which I'm a little bit more of a fan of, let it go all the way. But the fact that Anthony Black, and it's not like he was over on the bench, the fact that he can stand at the free throw line and do the little crybaby thing. How how is nothing called? I, I, how, I mean, he was standing how there. How do you not see that? Like, by the way, I want to say in the middle of this, before we get too deep into going at all, this is in fun and Anthony black. Like I do kind of dislike you, but I kind of do like it. Like being a little bit of a shithead. Keep it going. Like it it creates intrigue. It creates that fire. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And all this is, is like understood that it makes the game a little more fun. I will say, I will say though, I feel like there's a, there's a line like, Vandy has it like Studi's never been that bad. Like directly taunting a bitch, a bench crying like that. Yes. I have a video. I, I have a video of Studi leaning forward and going and flicking his tongue repeatedly at uh, the opposing. That was bench at. Like I this. think that was at Arkansas actually. I think yeah. it might have so, been. So I, I mean, I'm just saying that my issue with it is more with how Arkansas acted after they talked right, all the yeah. shit. Uh, yeah. But also continue your rant, Trevor. I apologize. I just had to give the little no. caveat of we don't genuinely hate Anthony Black because he did a little crying. Thing. I don't know. I might. Maybe be Trevor does. I get <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't take a lot for me to turn on you. I can turn pretty quick. So Anthony Black is he's up there on my hate list right now. But I mean, yeah, like you said, the officiating was awful. Um, but I think one thing about this ball game is it shows how, as if this wasn't obvious enough. I mean, everybody who watches Vanderbilt basketball or Vanderbilt athletics, I told you this in the first place, just how starved the fan base is for just a little bit of success. And I, to credit to you, Will, you talk about all the time, you're like, oh, what's it going to take to get fans at Memorial or at Vanderbilt State or at First Bank? Is it this, this, this? You just got to win. And you just got to make it consistent. And I think that, Saturday showed that that whenever – it doesn't take much for Vanderbilt fans to get a little belligerent. and it, You just need to win. And Saturday when I was watching that game and Vanderbilt kept just shot after shot after shot and good defensive possession after possession after possession, how easy it was just for me to even, like, get back into a feverish, like, foaming at the mouth, like, memorial maniac type energy it doesn't it doesn't take much and i I went from not even scheduling my day around the game trevor to literally like i cannot wait until the alabama Alabama game tomorrow it it happens exactly (laughs) that and and so like it's it's all you need guys just string a couple wins together and watch it happen watch people get crazy again and i mean dear god If this team, I would say, even if they keep it competitive against Alabama tomorrow yeah. night, yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. Even you know, if you it, just keep, even Alabama's a 
Alabama just they beat might LSU be the best by team 40. We play all year. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree. I mean, I, I the way Alabama's playing right now, they could be the best team in the country. I mean, Brandon yeah. Miller is is arguably uh, player of the year. I mean, not even yeah. freshman. Like he he's unbelievable. So if Vanderbilt can can give a classic stackhouse battle, just fight. I think fans would be proud of that too. Just don't get blown yeah. out of the water. Now, I, I, I mean, I you look at their games the building. Point. Against Tennessee and Missouri, both relatively. I know the Tennessee game wasn't exactly tight, but both those games were competitive. And then you come yeah. out and get a top 15 win. If you're competitive again, Vanderbilt fans are very reasonable people. I think yeah. for the most part, just keep improving, keep being competitive. The opportunities for wins are here in the last 13 games of this let, season. Yeah, let me know if I'm off my rocker here, guys. Vandy has to go on a win streak of five or more this year to not only make the tournament, but to really have Memorial Gym back, like all the way back. Like they need to string. Yeah, you could have three in a row and then at another point in the season, three in a row and, and you're fighting for a tournament. But I think a, a five or six game win streak would just do wonders for this fan base because at that point, you okay, this team can consistently win. That's just what they, they've, I think Stack has proved, like the NIT, I think that, was supposed to be a proven grounds of, okay, they can consistently win. They can beat good teams in the postseason. But at this point in year four, let's see it in the regular season and let's start to see some of that consistency because the SEC is there for the taking this year, guys. I mean, the, the SEC is, it, it's a, it's a good conference still, but it's not, it's not as good as it was last year. Uh, it's There's a lot more heavy. parody this year. Yeah. You saw South Carolina beat Kentucky and then Kentucky turns around and beats Tennessee on the road. So anything can happen guys. So uh, let's get to some of these numbers though. Tyron Lawrence, I thought, well, you mentioned him at the top was phenomenal. Kind of quiet 22 points. Honestly, uh, he was slashing. He was driving. Arkansas could not stop him from getting to the rim. I don't know how many uh, drives and left-hand finish Tyron had uh, in that game. Jordan Wright, 17 points in only 23 minutes, guys. I mean, 23 minutes, 17 points. That's pretty notable. Miles he was a menace at the bucket driving. He was, I mm -hmm. mean, he turned it on. Like it was, yeah. it was fun to watch. There, there was a period in that. I'm muted, half. but Jordan Wright's still not fully healthy. Like I, yeah. I don't know what it is, or he's maybe he's like 90%. He's just a little bit afraid or the staff is a little bit afraid to fully open it up. Yep. and let him rip and play full minutes at, at 100%. There's just one notch turned down, and you saw for a stretch in that second half, Trevor, you just said it when he turned it on, where he flipped that switch, and you kind of saw 100% Jordan Wright. Yep. It's just there's the risk when you see 100% Jordan Wright. He can re-injure his back. You never know when that's going to happen because he has whatever spasms are going on that are pretty mm -hmm. much just forever. Uh, so Jordan Wright is a guy that if he can continue to get healthier, this team could just keep looking better and better. Huge. And, and same thing can be said for Liam Robbins, guys. 14 points in only 19 minutes. The guy didn't play in the first half. He comes in in the second half and just takes over. I mean, the first 10 yeah. minutes of that second half, guys, that was the Liam Robbins that we all know and love and, and we've been wanting to see. And we've seen it a, a good bit this year, but that was almost like his peak. Like he is coming in, he's going to dominate. And he hit a three. I think early in that second half, uh, I mean, he hit a oh, shot. He hit a shot. That on was the, an electric um, shot. He hit a shot on the block where he just kind of caught it, turned, spin, spun, and then threw kind of a baby hook, and it went in. That was one of the early shots in the second half. So, uh, and he was 
he was the dominant force that Vanderbilt needs in the paint. And and Arkansas had some big guys. I mean, they had they had the, the average SEC 6'9", 6'10", athletic freak, but they were young, and Liam knew it, and he took advantage of it. And and uh, credit to him and the team. Trey Thomas also in double figures, 13 points, uh, three threes. His threes were big. Uh, Trey Thomas <laughs> – the love hate continues. Uh, my brother and I talk about it all the time. I mean, he he's obviously not the best defender, um, but that dude hits big shots when you need it. I mean, you know, one possession, he gets, you know, he kind of gets bullied in the paint, but then he goes down and drills a three in the corner. Like, <laughs> we can't take him out, you know? So that that's kind of the love hate with, with Trey Thomas. But, guys, I want to get to one more thing here, kind of a broader point. I know there's been a lot of complaints from fans about Robbins and Wright coming off the bench. And I, I, we, I think we all three of us were, were kind of wondering that same thing, especially after the grambling loss and kind of the, the, the doomsday scenario early in the season. But being that efficient, Liam and, and Jordan in 19 and 23 minutes was incredible. I mean, 17 points in 23 minutes for Jordan, 14 points in 19 minutes for Liam. They're the two most important players on the team, and Stack knows that. He's preserved. Okay, for Jordan, I don't know about preserve. He's preserving his minutes because he's obviously still banged up. But it looks like they're almost preserving Liam somewhat for down the stretch of this season, saying, hey, we know we're going to have to pull off some upsets down the stretch of this season to get to have a chance of getting into the tournament because we blew our chances against Grambling State and and that sort of thing. So I know we were all I mean, I'm quite frankly, I'm still a little confused why Liam doesn't start. Obviously, it worked against Arkansas, whatever it was. He, He got in foul trouble, of course, right when he got inserted into the game. But not that these early conference games aren't important because they are, but guys, they'll have to pull off a few upsets in SEC play to have a shot at the tournament. So I, I mean, maybe that's where Stack's going. I don't know why Liam and Jordan aren't starting against Arkansas. It didn't matter. I mean, it made Stack look like a genius. But Will, you said it a couple of weeks ago, and Trevor, that could hurt them early in a game, especially at Alabama team. That they get up 15-3, got to call a timeout, and then the game's almost lost. So mm-hmm. I, I just I'm I'm still not, you know, I'm not convinced, okay, you know, this is what we need to do. Bring Robinson right off the bench. Because it's it's one win. But I don't know, guy. Where are y'all on on Robinson Wright coming off the bench? The bigger part for me, Trevor, go ahead and get this because I have another part that's kind of a tangent off of what Billy was saying. So Trevor, go ahead and get your opinion out. So, I still really hate it. And maybe I'm an idiot. I don't think I'm that dumb. It still doesn't – I the Jordan I can understand. It still doesn't make sense, like, to me. I – starting – It's like hard to form Trey a Thomas, sentence love, about this. Love, hate, I get it. Trey Thomas – should not be starting. It should not be in the starting five. He just should not. He's a defensive liability. He's bad on offense. He should be coming off the bench. Quentin Malora Brown, I'm a little bit more forgiving. I'm going to be honest. I know he's young. I know he's raw. I'd In this situation, if you're not going to start Liam, I'd rather see Lee Dort. Lee Dort and the limited time he had on Saturday was tied for the lead in rebounds. And also had more points than Quentin Melora Brown. Granted, he only had four, but he was two for two from the field. Four points uh, tied for the lead with seven rebounds. Quentin <laughs> Melora Brown, as much as I, I really want him to be good, 
has regressed back to the mean. His first year, awful. Last year, maybe the most improved player in the SEC. This year has regressed back to the mean. If you're not going to start, my my big thing is there's no way in hell Trey Thomas should be starting over Ezra Mignon at the one. I mean, it's just like I I'm I'm coming around to sitting Liam and Jordan for the first four minutes. Okay, whatever. It will get to the 16 minute media timeout. Whatever, mm-hmm. bring him in four minutes. Who cares? I just I cannot get behind Trey Thomas starting over Ezra Mignon. I would love neither to one of them are great. The neither one They're of them are like... great shooters, but Ezra Mignon is ten okay. times the, the ball handler. So I, mean, I Trevor, Trey I'm very glad you got a liability on every front. I'm glad you got this take out because mine's going to be vastly different. Um, so what has been my constant complaint, Billy and Trevor, about Vanderbilt basketball? Rotation. Not enough shooters, oh, shooters on the court. Shooters and, and backside rotation, but as far as personnel. Well, not rotations as in subs and, you know, the way. Yeah, you... not. but my main thing is not enough shooters on the court. It is good basketball teams. The point of basketball is to put the ball in the hole, okay? This team put up 63 points against a pretty good defensive Arkansas team in the second half. Guess which player for the first time wasn't playing extended minutes in the second half in a significant game? Ezra Mignon. Guess what Ezra Mignon at the at the point guard position is completely incapable of doing? Shooting. Exactly. Although Mignon, the mid-range. Because, listen, timeout. This is unrelated to standing in the gym and sitting. It's like being a wide receiver and having stats. This is how the defense plays you. Why was Liam Robbins able to score? Why were driving lanes open for Tyron Lawrence? Why did Miles Studi shoot eight for eight from the free throw line and only hit one three but still put up 15 points? Because your one, the entire second half, was a shooter. So it extended out the guards who were unable to double on your shooters who were able to pump, drive, help over, either dish to a post or finish in the paint. That is 100,000% driven by the fact that your point guard. I'm not saying they're better. I'm saying that you have to have a set number of guys that are threats from behind the three-point line on the court at all times to be a successful offensive team. With Ezra Mignon on the court, it limits you on who the other guys on the court can be. So when Ezra Mignon is out there, Tyron Lawrence now doesn't have the same driving lane. So he's not near as effective and he's not able to pick his spots from three as well. When Trey Thomas is in the game, that pick and roll, you have to either switch or extremely hard hedge slash double uh, when Liam or QMB screen for Trey Thomas first. Ezra Mignon, teams are consistently fine with just going under the screen and soft hedging, get back to your original man that screened. So you can see it how Arkansas played defense. If any Vandy fans want to go back and watch the first half first watching the second half, yes, Vanderbilt was just hitting some shots that they normally don't hit. Okay, that's one part of it. The other part is Arkansas had to adjust their defense because it was Trey Thomas and Noah Shelby running the point. And both those guys are fearless in taking threes. It is irrelevant if they hit them. The defense defends them like they are shooters and they are hitting enough and have the reputation. 
So I like Shelby. I love it. I he, love he, Shelby. Would I you think not that, a lot better. That he definitely Would you not just say let him play and just put him over Trey, and see, then let him Trey Manion. See, I think that Trey or, Thomas um, is Shelby a guy that plays too consistent of minutes. Um, but Trey Thomas is a guy that can get absolutely hot and unstoppable. And you've seen and that, that is, even that at his size. Drawback. And so yeah. I am the different, I, I'm different in most in that I would trade a 10% better offensive player and would 100% put them on the court over a player that's a 10 times better defender. Like an improve uh, defense is dime a dozen. If defense was the point of basketball, you'd have a bunch of fucking quarterbacks out there uh, on the court. The point of basketball is to score. And this team in the second half had offensive lineups on the court. Arkansas put up points. They put up the same number of points they put up in the first half, but it didn't matter because Vanderbilt outscored them and were able to just play loose, run and gun. And once shots start falling, it's amazing how that momentum flows in basketball. And you brought up Noah Shelby. That's why I like Noah Shelby. Okay, he's young. He has some issues. He's yeah. too skinny to put on weight. He's a little bit slow-footed. Uh, but he is not afraid to put difficult shots up. And he has that type of jump shot that he can get it up in contested situations, kind of like Scottie Pippen Jr. And eventually... Those shots are going to get more consistent. He's not going to fall away on every single jumper that he shoots. That's why he's a little streaky and inconsistent. Same thing with Trey Thomas. He's not up and down when he shoots. Uh, but Noah Shelby, to me, is right now just a little bit less experienced, a little bit taller version of Trey Thomas. Um, but eventually, I think Noah Shelby will be a lot better and has a lot higher ceiling than Trey Thomas. But right now, I think those two guys are relatively interchangeable. It's just I think Stack probably is taking Trey Thomas over Noah Shelby just because he gets them in the right sets, and he's a little bit more consistent right now at shot selection. And, you know, it is Trey Thomas, but a little bit more consistent at knocking down those open shots. Yeah, I want to go back to Ezra real quick. And, you know, I, I think – I I we I think we've all doubted him, you know, from from the day he got here and kind of said, you know, he's a guy from UC Davis and you know, we'll see what he does, but there's no way he can, you know, uh re recreate what Scotty, you know, did last year. And and no one, I mean, there there was really nobody stat could have found that that could replicate Scotty. So that that wasn't ever going to happen, oh. but for Ezra, you know, I, the way he played at Tennessee kind of changed my mind a lot because he the way he guarded Zakai Ziegler, I mean, he forced a few turnovers. He got into his grill and really was able to frustrate him. And I know Vandy didn't didn't uh, pull off that win, but I, I think I, I think Ezra's the kind of guy. And I, I like what you said, Will, about the shooters because at home, Trey Thomas is a guy that you're going to want out there. Just you know, if he gets hot, he's comfortable shooting inside Memorial. On the road, I love a guy like Ezra being able to maybe frustrate uh, the other team's point guard. But Ezra, he made a couple jump shots against Tennessee and then also uh, against uh, Arkansas where I was like, man, like just like a, a, a pull-up, whether it was 10, 12-footer, where I'm like, I mean, that that was something I, didn't, I wasn't even sure he could do. And, he, you know, he would get in the lane. So he's not an offensive player by any means. Um, but I do think he he's veteran enough. He's a fifth-year guy. And I, I'm just saying my opinion has changed a lot on him from early in the season because we were down on him. I think once we've got SEC play, Ezra has changed my mind a little bit. 
Well, this this was not meant as like a shot completely at Ezra Mignon. It was more to just say, look at what happens when you have three shooters minimum right. on the court. This is more of a compliment times. to Trey Thomas so and Ezra, guys like that. Ezra Mignon yeah. against teams that pressure and against teams that are consistently trapping the point guard, he is very good and very quick at getting the ball up the court and avoiding those traps. It's just Stack has to realize that a point guard that is unable to shoot a three is kind of like a post that is strictly has a back to the basket game that is old school and it completely hamstrings your offense. So when Ezra and QMB are on the court, it can't be at the same time. Number one, but number two, you have to understand that that is a giant X on, on your offensive game plan. So I don't care what you do in practice or what you draw up in practice. The opponent is going to basically be completely okay with, with heavy helping. And just leaving that guy green. And if they hit an open shot, they hit an open shot. And that's the issue I have with what Stackhouse does. A lot of what it looks like he's drawing up is just guarding everybody like it's an NBA game. And and just expecting the opponent to go in with the mindset of everyone on this court requires defense. And that's just not the case for Ezra Mignon. You don't have to guard him outside of 12 feet. And until he knocks down three-point jump shots consistently, which he has not shown the capability of doing, teams are just going to keep sagging off further and further and further. So the 10 to 12-foot jump shot more than, and and he did knock it down consistently, and that's a good thing. He has to keep doing that, right? or I, this I, I, offense I, is going to completely yeah. stagnate. That's, that's an X factor for this team. It, it, he yeah. doesn't have to hit the three. If he's able to pull up, and they're, I mean, they're, they're at the free throw line guarding it. I mean, they're not gonna stepping keep out. They're, yeah, they're not even stepping out past the free throw line, a lot of guys. So if, if you're Ezra, if yeah. you're able to consistently hit that 10 to 12-foot mid-range jumper consistently, this you make this team better. You know, we're not asking you to, to, to hit threes, but, well, that's a great point because, you know, watching his but highlights, also, you didn't see how a lot can of that. you be incapable as a Division One guard of shooting and hitting at a 35% clip literally wide open threes like i that is unfathomable to me that he is unable to do that like that i don't have the words for him being unable to shoot they don't even guard him at the three point line that is like my wet dream playing basketball i promise if i was guarded like Ezra <laughs> Mignon at the three point line i'd be shooting 40% in the sec yeah. So he, he, I disagree. I think he needs to shoot threes and there's no way that he's that bad of a shooter. Maybe he is, but from his 10 to 12 foot jumper, it certainly doesn't seem that way. So Ezra, come on, man, you have to be able to shoot a fucking three. You're 24 years old. What have you been doing in the gym the last five years? Well, I mean, I, what's it, what's his percentage from three? How many has he even shot? That's a good question. I mean, I, I don't, Ezra, we'll 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 keep eight eight point three percent. How many has he attempted? Uh, because if he does, if he hasn't attempted a lot, I think that's more of a thing. One like, of twelve. Yeah, so he's attempted twelve. Um, I mean, Liam Robbins has probably attempted more. So, um, we'll see. Well, I mean, maybe Ezra hits another three this year. But I think for me, if he could, if he could get down, because. I mean, I don't know that he's he's hammered down that twelve that twelve foot shot. I mean, uh, he's he's starting to hit it a little bit more he's consistently, out. 
But that's that's a, a big key down the stretch. Uh, guys, Fandy shot 69% in the second half, 52% for the whole game. You're going to win a lot of games doing that. Uh, 10 for 18 from three-point range, 56%. That's the best percentage in a game since 2020 against Auburn. Credit Justin Hershey on that stat. And, guys, they were 29 of 36 from the foul line. They made their free throws. So we talk about that every pod. Well, we did last year. And, and Trevor, we're introducing you to it. That, that's kind of the biggest stat that, that we report on after every game, 29 of 36 from the if foul they, line. If they had amazing. A, I mean, go, there were games earlier throughout the season to where we're like, if they shot just a hair better from the free throw line, they'd have a better record than they would right now. I mean, I think – what was the Grambling State game? I mean, the Memphis game, if they made their free throws in the Memphis game, they would have won. VCU. And I, our, how much our quote is always how many games you'd win if you just shot 80%. Just shoot 80% and it, you'll be eight, amazed. They were 81. Yep. 81 yep. or 82. And, our, I think. and yeah. guess what Arkansas shot? Yeah. 62. That, guys, we would I be a lot could... more happy with this team and there would be a lot less gripes if they just made their free throws. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, they took care of the ball too. Only nine turnovers. They're now seven and two when they turn it over less than twelve times. Credit Justin Hershey again. He he's got all the the, the big brain stats <laughs> for Vandy on Twitter. But um, guys, they made their free throws and they took care of the ball. I mean, not ignore the three point percentage because you know yes, it was great, but more times than not, if you make your free throws and you take care of the ball, you're going to win games, especially in the SEC. Winning basketball. Where I mean, it, that's that's the formula, especially for this team, guys. Yes, they have to shoot well. I don't know how many more times they're going to shoot 56% from three um, because that's a pretty damn good percentage. I know they've done it a couple times this year, but if they can knock down their their free throws and take care of the basketball guys, they're going to win. And I, I honestly think you can carry that over to a team like Alabama because I hate saying this, guys, and this will kind of segue us into this Bama preview. But with the situation going on, Right now, obviously, we want to pray for, you know, the 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 human that was involved and their family and their loved ones. But this situation, you got to believe that could impact this locker room and that team in some kind of way. I don't know how it does. Um, and I'm not going to talk about this in a positive way because it's kind of sensitive. But at the same time, guys, this is in the middle of a season. I mean, and I know the guy, Darius Miles, he had gotten injured. He was out for the year. And, you know, now this happens. But it's going to be interesting. To, to see how this affects Alabama, their program. Uh, they're sort of a, you know, they have an older older group of guys, but they also have some young players, a guy like Brandon Miller, uh, who's who's a stud. But, I mean, we'll see, guys. We'll, we'll see how this impacts Alabama, kind of their psyche, you know, especially coming into a kind of a rattle a, a, a rattlesnake's nest here in Memorial Gym, see how good the crowd is. But this is kind of a, kind of a, a gut check scenario for them to just to see where their mind is at after that. Are y'all kind of surprised that we're even playing this game right now? You know, I, I was. Thinking, I think I am. I'm kind I, of surprised it's not suspended. If if he was or postponed, I should say. If if he was a and I, I don't I'm just speculating mm-hmm. here. He was a guy that was already out for the year yeah. with injury, and I don't think he had played a whole lot. Only only the uh, day before. Only the day before. Yeah. So he was only declared kind of, out for the season the day before it happened. It's kind of a crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, we. we we haven't seen anything like like a capital murder. I don't know ever in, yeah. in college athletics. So, um, you know, hate talking yeah. about it, but um, 
you know, if it's in the regular season, if this was off season, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be talking a whole lot about it, but it's right before they play at play Vandy. Well, yeah. so, um, I don't know that Memorial gym. I don't know that Memorial gym is a place you want to kind of try to beat and beat Vandy after something like that happens. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously kind of one of those really touchy subjects when you're talking about it, when it pertains to a basketball game, because obviously a basketball game pales in comparison to the loss of human life, but you know, this situation will impact what we're going to watch tomorrow night. There's absolutely no way within that locker room that this team is not distracted and it can go either way. I, I think this team could come out with Alabama with a renewed energy and focus and, you know, a togetherness and brotherhood of us, us against, you know, all this controversy, or it can rattle the team. Um, really, like you said, there's no comparable scenario to compare it to. So that's kind of where I stand is it's going to have an impact on the game. What that impact is going to be. I, I don't know, but I do want to go back to and, and apologize to Ezra Mignon. He's in his fourth season. So he's, he's not in his fifth year. Um, so I, I did want is to correct really? myself uh, on that, but looking at, at his bio and Ezra Mignon's and, and then we'll get back to the Alabama preview. It's pretty interesting because he shot 40% or 38% from three his freshman year. And then he shot 22 point or and then he shot 22% and then he shot 20% and now he's shooting 8%. So I don't know if this is a case of the yips. I don't know what's going on, uh, but he shot 38.6% from three his freshman season at UC Davis. That's not, that's not a fluke. He obviously had some sort of jump shot mm-hmm. before, uh, but moving into the Bama game, I want to see what we saw in the second half. I mean, my God, that that was what yeah. we expected to see. They're going to go undefeated if they play like that. <laughs> yeah, from, I mean, that is what this team is capable of. Yeah, if they shoot like that, if they shoot 75% or whatever it was in the second half, they're going to literally go undefeated. But this team, they are capable of playing at that high of a level. Therefore, their mean and regression back to the mean should not be how they have been playing thus far in the year that got them to an eight and eight record prior to this win. So going into the Alabama game, keep the momentum going. And Billy, it's a quote from, I think the football season, but the subtle disrespect of low expectations. Okay. I, I think we have been very critical of Jerry Stackhouse and very critical of this team because we expected this team with the experience and with the talent to win basketball games and to look like a damn good basketball team and a renewed next chapter of Vanderbilt basketball. And they have not done that so far. So anyone that has been defending what they have been seeing on the court just had very low expectations going into the season. I don't think that the Vanderbilt basketball team within that locker room was pleased to be eight and eight going into this year. I think their expectations were certainly higher uh, than sitting at nine and eight right now after that win against Arkansas and moving forward, they have those high expectations and they have the talent to be an NCAA tournament team. And we never wavered on the expectations that we had for this team. We said that the expectations are to make the NCAA tournament. They started losing basketball games and we evaluated this team saying, this team has the talent to make the NCAA tournament. Why are they playing like shit? We kept and saying they amazing. have the pieces. Like, it's amazing how often that can be seen mm-hmm. as hatred when you actually are just judging them accurately and not on a 
and not on a curved grade scale. So Jerry Stackhouse has to continue to improve. His offense is not up to snuff. It's there's too many long scoreless gaps and scoreless runs over his tenure, not just this season that the players have cycled through. There's a new roster, there's a new rotation, and the same issues persist. That falls to the common de- the common denominator, the common factor in all four of Jerry Stackhouse's teams or Jerry Stackhouse. So in the second half, you saw a more fl- free-flowing version of this offense. But how much of that was just hitting jump shots and how much of that was actual improvement? I think this Alabama game will be a good judge of that. Yeah. I think, too, I one of – I don't know if we're going to do keys to the game, but I just have a feeling. No, obviously, whenever you look at this game. Okay, then I'll go ahead and throw this out there. Whenever you look at this game tomorrow, Brandon Miller is going to get his. It is what it is. You can just, you can't stop him. You can just hope to contain him. If Vanderbilt, if Liam Robbins can consistently, not just Liam, but if Liam, QMB, and whenever we see him, Lee Dort, can win in the post against Charles Bediaco. I think Vanderbilt, I'm not going to say they win, but I think it's going to be like a one or two possession ball game. I think they can keep it really close if they can control the, the pain. Do we know much um, about Alabama's post presence? I know Bediaco is there, but is he really the only force that, that we should be worried about? I know their guard play is unbelievable. Um, they're, but, I mean, I mean, when yeah, I, their guard when I, play is going to tear you up. But yeah, w- like when I watch Alabama, I see threes, I see offensive rebounding, I see athletic freaks, but I don't know that I see a guy that can, that can you know, man on man defend a guy like Liam Robbins. I could be wrong, but and maybe they do. I feel like Betty. I feel do. like I've seen games to where Betty Yako can do that. I don't okay. think we've seen the game to where he's taken over like Liam has with this last game. I think whenever Liam's locked in, I think he's unstoppable. Yeah, I, he's but that we, kind of but guy. But we've seen games to where, like, he's just not locked in. And as much as you hate to say it, like, just as an athlete, you just have those games. I think if you, I think if you see Arkansas Liam Robbins, I think it's going to be a dominant performance. And he only played one now, half. Now, if I think I'm going to be honest, I think Bediaco is going to eat up QMB's lunch. I really do. I think it'll be kind of bad. This is um, the type so that's, of game. So I think, yeah, if Liam like, can stay out of foul trouble, I feel good. Yeah, this is the type of game where QMB could potentially struggle just with all the athleticism around him, and that's most SEC games. I mean, let's face it, QMB has done his part you know, as, as, as well as he possibly and physically can, I mean, he's out there, yeah. he's, you know, but I, I think we, the further we get into SEC play guys and hopefully the better Lee Dort, Lee Dort gets, like you were talking about Trevor, I think that could be the hope. Then again, Quentin Lord Brown, you know, well, you said it but in our season preview, he is not a, I don't know that he would play, not, not even start, but I don't think he would play on any other SEC team. Um, I think there is a infatuation with him and the work he's put in, at, you know, from a coach's perspective. I get that. But down the stretch of this season, if you can't see that that Lee Dort, you know, he has to get better. But, I mean, the blocks, the blocks we've seen him make, you know, the rebounds, he had a put-back dunk against Arkansas. Like, I th- you have to play him to get that out of him. So we'll see how those rotations work out. I know we have criticized that. And it's going to be huge down the stretch. 
Uh, but guys, one more thing I'll say that I learned about this team was they fought for their coach. I mean, there has been unmitigated amounts of crap this year fired at Jerry Stackhouse. I mean, we all know it. We we've said it. everybody. I mean, everybody has said it because you know because it, it it has been warranted. I mean, the way they started the season was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. But I think what we learned about this team is they're they're old. And that's why it baffled me before the season. Stackhouse called this team young. So that it, it, there's still things that baffle me. And I know you, you both of you guys agree, but there's one thing that I think reigns true here. The veterans on this team that have been with Stack and have kind of gotten older with Stack, they, they'll fight for them. And, and we saw that. I mean, it, I tweeted out. I said, we're going to see how much fight this team has for their coach. And they did, guys. Mm -hmm. They came out and fought their ass off and won that game, and they dominated that second half. So this could be potential. I think this was bigger than than anyone even realizes in the S. This could be a turning point. I know we've done this before, Will. We've hyped up Vandy wins before. I hate saying it, but it could be a turning point. It really could be. It pains me to say it because I, I'm ready to be disappointed. But this, like, Arkansas had they, – they've been struggling, I know. It's it's hard for me not to think of it as a turning point. Everything could change against Alabama. They could lose by thirty, but I don't know. There's a there's a there's a level of fight with this team that I learned, like the football team guys. I mean, we we had given up on them. We gave up on them. We said they're all but lost. I mean, th th this football team, this basketball team is doing the same thing the football team did. I know that was a little bit later in the season, but I don't know, guys. I, I don't know if y'all agree. I know Will is kind of. Kind of you're, you're stealing you're stealing my thunder here, but <laughs> obviously on scale. But this can go two directions. I, I think this team faced the choice. I, I think it just got so obviously presented uh, during this game at halftime that either you can pack it in and lose or come back, win this game, and it builds confidence within your team that for the rest of this season, no matter what, you can point to a game previously in the season and say, look, we've come back with our start, with our point guard out, not starting. I almost said that. We've talked about that. With our with Ezra Mignon kicked out of the game, technical fouls all around, all the momentum on the opponent's side, and come back and absolutely dominate them in the second half. It reminds me a lot of the NIU game. And this team for the rest of that year could point to that game and say, look, we were able to to come back against adversity and come out victorious and actually win, not just make it a close game, not just come back and make it competitive, but get over the hump, get over the hill, crest the mountain. And this team get did it against a top 15 Arkansas opponent, not against Northern Illinois. So obviously it's basketball. It varies a lot more from game to game. There are a lot more games in a season than in football. Uh, but just if this team loses against a, a, the number four Alabama team on uh, tomorrow night, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden all the momentum from this Arkansas win is gone. The rest right. of this schedule is very mm -hmm. favorable for this team yes. to look at this Arkansas game as a turning point and is the upward trajectory for the rest of this season to build momentum. So this Alabama game is about how the game goes more than just a win. Versus this team against Arkansas needed that win. I mean, they had to win that game. They couldn't just play Arkansas close down to, you know, four or six points at the end of the game. I think that will be, in a way, enough against Alabama. Obviously, you always want to win 
uh, especially when you get the opportunity against probably a distracted Alabama team coming in. But this Vanderbilt team is still a nine and a half point underdog uh, at home against Alabama. This is a very, very good Alabama team, even with all the issues that they're currently facing and traveling on the road. So don't just throw it. Don't go all in after this win against Arkansas. Also, don't put all your chips on the table against Alabama. So I'm not fully bought in because I still think there are a lot of issues with offensive scheme after the Arkansas win, but I'm trending in that direction. But I'm not going to stop trending in that direction if they lose to Alabama. Now, if they come out and rattle off three straight losses after this Arkansas win, then you can you know, throw everything I said in the trash can. But this Alabama game is big, but the winnable three games after this Alabama game are bigger. Yes, boys. What if they beat Bama? I was just going to say, say they just, beat Alabama. We say they do. Where are we at? If they, if, if we see them, if we see them, the boys will be buzzing. I, I don't want to say it because I hate Jerry Stackhouse. <laughs> but, I love Jerry Stackhouse. Like, hey, I, God, I, listen, yes. listen, 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 listen. I don't I'll care send the personal who our coach to Jason Sanders on Twitter. I, I don't care who the coach is. I really, if you win, I I could care less. Like it, that that's where the Vandy fans should be right now. Also, like, it's much easier for me to get behind a guy like Stackhouse. I have issues with scheme with Stackhouse, but if I was a coach, I'd be getting ejected every other game, constantly getting technicals. So, like every time that he erupts, ninety eh, percent of the time that he erupts on the sideline, I'm fully in, like fully backing him up and behind you- him. Does it doesn't it kind of remind you guys of Tony Vitello a little bit? Where I mean, he he was almost good for one of those a game, one of those hissy fits. But almost every time they would come back, they'd hit a bomb, they'd do something to to continue that momentum. So I hate comparing Stackhouse to a Tennessee coach, but it's almost what that represents. Especially a douchebag like, of a Tennessee coach. <laughs> I think I think that basketball by far more than baseball. I think umpires are a different breed in baseball. And yeah. I think football, you're more yeah. distanced from the the referee crew, and Basketball's it's more of a crew. I think yeah. basketball can greatly be influenced by a coach going on a rant. Because basketball, even the rules are very subjective. What's a hand check? What's a body bump? What you know, What's how much contact, how much contact mm-hmm. are we letting go on the inside? A lot of that is just kind of the flow of the game and it depends on the referee crew. So the type of coach that I genuinely dislike and could never get behind his price drew and the coach that shows no emotion and doesn't even look like, doesn't even look like he cares if they win or lose. I can say what I want about Stackhouse and whatever, like disagree with everything that he does. That man is competitive. And, and once Mm -hmm. the lights come on the court, it doesn't matter if he's coaching Vanderbilt or if he's coaching a middle school basketball team, he's in. And he's invested. So Stack may not be fully invested in the offseason or, you know, all that like some college coaches are. But once the lights come on the court and it's game day, Jerry Stackhouse is in the game. Unlike Bryce Strew that seemed to just be like, okay, guys, and, you know, win yeah. or lose as long as we have fun. And, and guys, I think at home, I think at home, Stackhouse loves to play to the students and the students love to respond to Stack. And so I think you can take to the bank a few more hissy fits whatever you want to call it from stack at home that you you'll definitely see it on the road but at home 
I think that's where it really comes out of him to where he he's emotionally invested and the students, he knows they feed off that, that helps the team that helps the players. I, it's connected somehow. It's all connected. And Jerry, all of this will turn and every Vanderbilt fan will defend you to the depths of hell for your technicals and your rants. If you win Kevin Stallings, Vandy was fans not perfect example. Was, Van, perfect was not example. a likable guy. If he was not Vanderbilt's basketball coach, I would probably hate Kevin Stallings. But Vanderbilt fans want to love you. Win, and you will have the most loyal fan base you have ever seen. This fan base would have done anything to keep James Franklin. He could have lost. He could have gone four and eight for 10 straight years and Vanderbilt fans would still probably want to keep James Franklin. So Jerry Stackhouse, you have to win. Once you win, you can have all these quotes and social media posts and different things, but you're you're forgetting step one and step one win. And right now, I loved the rant that led to the technical because Vanderbilt won. If they would have lost by two points, I think we might be having a little bit of a different conversation right now. So a lot of things can be spun very differently depending on who wins and who loses. And I, guys, the I fans saw... are so simple. Just we're simple people. It's Jerry. If you ever listen to this little bit that we just did, we d- just win. I don't care if you are the most degenerate person in your personal life. Just win. I don't care if you throw chairs on the court. I throw don't your care clipboard if you get all you want. Bar fights. Throw your clipboard. Spit in my face, Jerry Stackhouse. <laughs> I don't care. Just win. That's all Just I want. Win, baby. Just win. Guys, they got chances. I mean, they got Alabama at home. Still got Tennessee at home. Still got Kentucky at home. They're going to have to have a year where they win most of their games at home. They're 7-3 and three at home. And the students aren't going anywhere, by the way. They're giving out free Shake Shack burgers uh, Tuesday night. Uh, I, 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 I'm, we, I we've go. crapped I'm... on them, but shout out yeah. to the Vanderbilt marketing and and everything with those shirts yeah. and the Stranger Things. Uh, those shirts themed. were tough. Yeah, Dude, I, that was unique. That was yeah. different. That was exactly what we've talked That's about. That's what obviously, we've been talking about. Obviously, we're not taking credit, and I'm not taking credit because I did not come up with that idea, nor did I execute it. But that is an example of the outside the box thinking. It wasn't just a blackout. It was a Stranger Things blackout. And that clearly drew the students in. You got uh, some of the Stranger Things nerds. Because also those shirts were pretty cool. I will say. (laughs) I wanted one of those shirts pretty badly. Yeah, I did too. Those were tough. Yeah. I think now, you know, you're waiting on the gold out, waiting on the white out. White out will definitely be Tennessee. So, guys, they, they got chances. And they're close to being back. I, I mean, that 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 win did a lot, at least. They still have a lot of games to go, though. There's a lot of chances out there. That means chances to win. That means chances to also lose. So they got to they gotta get consistent, put a string of wins together, and we'll see. But it's Alabama and Vanderbilt Tuesday night. That's an 8 o'clock tip, correct? Am I, am I, am I wrong on that? Could be 7.30. 7.30. Okay, 7.30, yeah. 7.30 tip off. At Memorial, uh, free Shake Shack burgers. I think they they got SEC some pretty, network. Yeah, SEC. They got some pretty cheap tickets still available too. So uh, gonna know, listen they, to uh, Dane Bradshaw talk about how apparently he had crabs during college. I don't oh know. My I don't even know if he's on the call. That was but. that was one of the more uncomfortable 
uh, situations from an announcer. Whenever he, whenever he dropped it, I was like, oh. I thought, I thought okay. Tom Hart, Tom Hart. <laughs> Tom Hart was hilarious too. He kept trying to distract everybody from what Dana just said, but I don't know if you can bounce back from that. But uh, have fun guys, with this tomorrow, ladies and gents. Yeah, have fun Tuesday morning. Listen to this uh, wherever you are, however you may be listening. Thanks for tuning in. Anchor down, and uh, hopefully Vandy can can find a way to to beat Alabama. You like that finish there, Will? <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. See you guys.